What's up, New Song students? My name is Jackson. I'm going to be reading the teaching text tonight. <laughs> and I'll be preaching. And I'll be preaching. So, 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but a willing, but not by compulsion, but willing, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, somebody say he's talking about me. me. You younger people, I think I'm included in that too. (laughs) Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, And be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. How how amazing was that worship new song, students? (sighs) Could have kept going. Could have kept going for a long time. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on the best day of the week? Got a lot of people here tonight. Praise God. That's awesome. Is anybody just thankful that God brought you here into New Song Students? I I find myself thinking about that a lot, just looking around at the room, looking around at the students that are a part of this family, and I find myself thinking a lot, man, I'm so thankful that God brought us all here for such a time as this. Like, this is God's perfect, amazing plan for us that we would all intersect right now in this very moment to grow together, to grow in the Lord together. Is anybody thankful for that? Amen. Yes. Okay. Now, I know we haven't been doing announcements at the top of messages lately, but I got to break the mold tonight for just a second. Is that okay? I want to let you know about something that I'm really excited about that's just a few weeks away. Now, if you know this, if you've been a part of New Song for any amount of time, you probably know that we're blessed to be a part of a church that is not just making an impact with the people that are in this building, but we are trying to make an impact with people outside of this building, right? We are passionate as a church about being the kind of church that changes a city. You've probably heard one of, our, one of your pastors talk about how we wanna be the type of church to where if our church had to close its doors for some reason, the city would notice that we were gone. And that's the kind of church we are, and that's the church that we're trying to be. That's why we have the vision sacrificial mission. That's something that we are a part of and pursuing as a church. And that's just a fancy phrase for this. We go. Sacrificial mission just means we go. Somebody say we go. We go. We We don't just sit in this room and receive from God all day long, even though it is good to receive from God. We also. We also. Yeah, we go. And so many of you guys have been going recently. So many of you guys have gone on mission trips. Raise your hand if you've gone on a mission trip with New Song students or New Song Church. Some of y'all have gone on like basically every single mission trip that we've hosted because y'all be crazy. And uh, some of you guys have done Serve Saturday. These are all ways that we go as a church. And I love seeing New Song students be a part of the going process. Now, in just a few weeks, 
we've got another opportunity for us to go. And here's what I wanna see. I wanna see this new song students family, students and leaders included, I wanna see us all. Yes. I wanna see all of us go. Now, where are we gonna go? Well, in just a few weeks, we're gonna be doing something we've never done as a church before called Go Week. Look at your neighbor, say Go Week. What is Go Week? Go Week is a three-day mission trip. Where are we going? Drum roll, please. We are going to Oklahoma City. It is. It is a three-day mission trip to our city. Now, one of the, if you've ever been on a mission trip, one of the exciting things about a mission trip is going somewhere you've never gone before. Everybody lean in with me, don't lose, don't, don't lose me for a second. That's one of the fun things about going on a mission trip is going places you've never been before because they're different and they're extravagant and they're exciting. But I think we need to remember that the places that we go to on mission trips, that may be your not ordinary, but it is their ordinary. That's their ordinary. And one of the reasons why missions exist is because their ordinary is fallen and broken. It's not treated extraordinary. So we come in and we treat it differently because we're just filled up and we're passionate about what God wants to do. But what if we saw our own city that way? What if we were passionate about seeing our own city transformed for the glory of God? I'm telling you, if that was our heart for our city, we would see Oklahoma City on earth as it is in heaven. So I wanna invite you New Song students, leaders, you guys are included in this. This whole family, I wanna invite us to be a part of Go Week. Now, Here's what you need to know about Go Week. It's during the week of spring break for most of you, and we're not gonna have st uh, student service that Wednesday. So you might as well come hang out with us for three days on Go Week. So tonight, somebody say tonight. tonight. I want you to go home to your parents. I want you to tell them about Go Week. I want you to get registered. It's, since, it's in per, or since it's in our city, it is a fraction of the price of all other mission trips. So I promise you, you will be able to easily get funded for this trip. It's in-house, you get to stay, and you get to sleep in your own bed every night. Like, praise the Lord for that. And for some lucky ones of you, um, the church is giving your boy, Pastor Jackson, a 15-passenger van. So some of y'all are gonna get to party with me for the glory of God, amen? So, get a part of Go Week, sign up for Go Week, spend your spring break pouring out and being the hands and feet of Jesus, amen? All right, let's dive into the word. Y'all ready to dive into the word? What we're about to do is something so powerful, something supernatural, because we are opening up the living word of God. We're gonna open up God's word. We're gonna hear his voice. And this, what we're about to do, I just wanna remind all of us, is very much a supernatural act. Now, we tend to think about supernatural things being only like signs and wonders and miracles and like people getting out of wheelchairs. And those are all amazing supernatural acts of God. But we think about a message and we're like, supernatural? Nah, oh yes it is, because we're opening up God's living word. And so I'm gonna be doing the talking, but really the Holy Spirit wants to deliver a message to your heart. So let's honor this moment, let's take notes, let's be prepared for small group, okay? Okay, let's not distract our neighbor, let's lean in for the word tonight, amen? amen. Okay, tonight, we're talking about this, if you're taking notes, write this down. We are talking about living under authority. Woohoo, so fun. It's going to be a really good message. Living under authority. Let's pray. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? 
Jesus, I thank you for your leadership. I thank you that you are the perfect leader. You are the good shepherd. God, you are the model of what leadership looks like biblically. But Jesus, you didn't just model leadership. You modeled humility. You modeled submission to the Father. You lived under authority. And so God, I lift up every single heart in the room. I lift up every single person to you right now. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on this message? And would you show us and open our eyes to the beauty of living under authority? the protection we have when we decide to live under the authority of our good shepherd. So speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so tonight we're, we're diving into week two of a series that we kicked off last week called Together. Somebody say Together. 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 This is a series all about relationships. Now, Let's be honest, when you hear a youth group saying they're doing a series all about relationships, what are you thinking? You're thinking boyfriend, girlfriend, purity talk, all the, the whole nine yards, and we might get into some of that eventually, but we're going to talk about all relationships. Somebody say all relationships. And we're going to talk about how we want to live biblically in relationships. We want to practice the way of Jesus in our relationships. Now, I, I didn't have time to get to this scripture last week, but this is the scripture that is the foundation of our whole series. It's Psalm 133. Look at what it says. It says, behold, look at your neighbor and say, behold. Behold how good and pleasing it is when brothers dwell together in unity and sisters. Brothers and sisters, God's family dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for where the Lord has command, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Okay, so this passage paints a picture to us the fact that when we live in unity with one another, when our relationships are right, there is something sweeter about life. There is an amazing reality to all of us living in unity with one another. I don't know if you can relate to this. Maybe you can. But for me, when my relationships are right, everything feels right for the most part. Like when my relationships are right, when, when things are good with me and Haley, when things are good with my friends at church, when things are good with my family, with my parents, like all of life, there might be some hard parts of life, but for the most part, all of life feels like it's working. How many of you know the feeling though when, when there is a relationship that is broken? When there's a relationship where you're, you're experiencing a fallout or you've been hurt by this person or you've been betrayed, how many of you know when you are in disunity, sometimes our entire life feels a little bit off and broken? Does anybody else relate to that? Okay. Now, the unfortunate reality about relationships is that unity in our relationships is actually a really rare thing in this world. It's really rare. It's rare to find unity between families. Like, I remember growing up and hearing my, my wife talk about how her and her family would interact, and it was like they actually loved each other. And I was like, that's not how me and my family used to grow up. We weren't, we weren't like, getting at each other's throats all the time. Like, unity in families is rare. Unity between friendships can be rare. Unity in churches can be rare at times. It can be a hard thing to find. And this is exactly why David opens up with this psalm with the phrase, behold. 
He says, behold. He doesn't just give us a, like a blanket statement. He doesn't just say like, this is a fact. It's good to walk in unity. No, he starts off the phrase by saying, behold. In other words, check this out. Do you see the unity that's happening right here? Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, it is a wonder seldom seen, therefore behold it. Charles Spurgeon is saying, when you see unity in other people, you need to pay attention because it's rare. It may be seen for it is the characteristic of real saints. Anybody wanna be a real saint? Real saints? Therefore, fail not to inspect it. It is a well worthy, well worthy of admiration. Pause and gaze upon it. It will charm you into imitation. Therefore, note it well. Charles Spurgeon says, when you see unity in a family, when you see unity in a church and a group of friends, you need to behold it, you need to take notes, and you need to imitate it because it is a rare breed in our world. Unity in our relationships can be rare, but we've gotta recognize as believers that it is absolutely available to us. Not only is it available to us, but it is something that we should all be pursuing at all times. Now, unity doesn't mean that everything in our life and in our family is just going perfect 100% of the time. What it does mean, though, is that we're all under the same mission and we are all trying to serve one another in peace. Now, there are some pretty incredible benefits in this passage we just opened up with, Psalm 133, I wanna talk about a few of the benefits that, we'll, that we will see right here in our New Song students family if we choose to continue to pursue unity. The first thing that David shows us that shows up when we walk in unity is that unity is good and pleasing. Unity is good, somebody say and. It's good and pleasing, which is powerful because there are things in this world that are good, but not pleasing, like homework, right? Like doing your homework is a good thing. It's good, you should probably do your homework, but it is not pleasing. I have been a youth pastor for six years now, and I've never heard one of you guys in the lobby come up to me and, and say, Pastor Jackson, man, I am having a rough week right now. You know what I could use? Just a fat stack of algebra homework. Oh, oh man, I could just use some algebra homework right now. Like I've never heard any of you guys ever say that. That's because homework is good, but it's not good and pleasing, right? But there are also things that are pleasing, but not good, aka sin, right? Many times we fall into sin, why? Because it's pleasing. Can, can we not be too religious here tonight? Like sin is fun for a season. Sin gives you pleasure, but it's just for a moment. It's momentary. Sin is pleasurable, but it is not pleasurable and good. So we know that because the wages of sin is death. So like ultimately you can keep trying to please yourself, but eventually, it's going to hurt you. So sin is pleasing, but not good. But look at this. God lets us know that when we walk in unity, it's not just the right thing to do, but it is right and it's the best feeling. When we're walking in unity, the right thing is taking place, but also unity in our relationships makes all of life so much sweeter. Unity is amazing. Not only that, the next thing that we see about unity is unity is compared to 
anointing oil. It's compared to anointing oil. It's actually compared to the anointing oil that ran down Aaron in the Old Testament. Now, the anointing oil is a picture of the blessing of God over an individual. But it's also a picture of God giving his power for a person to lead. So it's almost like our, open, our, our unity is an open door for God to anoint us and say, you guys are ready for the job I've called you to. Here you go. Are you following me? Yeah. Unity is not, or, or anointing oil is not just about like receiving a blessing, but you, uh, anointing oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out. So it's almost like the Lord is letting us know that when we are walking in unity, he sees that and he's like, that is something that I desire to pour my spirit out onto. Unity, if you're taking notes, unity is what God pours his spirit onto. Are any of these benefits sounding good to you guys? They're sounding pretty good to me, all right? All of this is so good, but my favorite part of this verse is the last part of the verse. It closes with a blessing from God. But it's not just this picture of God like passing down a blessing to us. The, the phrase used here is that God commands a blessing over people who are walking in unity. So when God sees unity in his children, it's not like he's up in heaven and he's like, oh, angels, look at this. That's so cute. Oh, they love each other. Hey, angels, are there any, is there any blessing around here that we could, any blessing we could give them? I just really feel like they earned it. That's, that's not what it says. It says that when God sees unity, he looks down and he's like, heaven, look at this. Do you see this? And then he says, send blessing right now. Overnight ship it, expedite it, Amazon Prime right now. He commands the blessing on people who walk in unity. Does that sound good to anybody? God doesn't just give a blessing for those in unity. He commands a blessing for those in unity. Does anybody else want to experience that, or is it just me? Okay. Well, this is what we're learning. This is the whole point of this series. We are learning how to walk in that kind of blessing, how to make this verse, Psalm 133, an actual reality for our life. Now, last week, we looked at the importance of our relationships and how we can actually look at our relationships to determine how our discipleship is doing. Do you remember this? So we looked at the fact that if you and I are wondering, like, hey, I wonder how I'm running my race with Jesus right now. Like, I wonder if I'm running well or poorly. One of the ways we can determine that is by looking at the way we love the people in our life. It's not by just looking at the fact that we raise our hands in worship service, but we need to be asking the questions, did I love my brother really well? No, I didn't. So I think I need some work to do. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed that message, I wanna strongly encourage you to go back because it really is foundational for the rest of this series. But tonight, I wanna continue in this series talking about a topic that is not necessarily the most fun, but it absolutely is required for us to walk in unity, and that is submission. Yes. Submission. Submission, yes. Submission to authority, to leadership. Now, submission, let's just be honest, that is not a fun-sounding word. Submission in our world today, it actually makes people really uncomfortable. It's kind of like a cuss word in our world, submission. And I think that's because we have a false view of it. We, have, we don't have a biblical view of submission. We have a broken view of 
submission. I think sometimes when we think of submission, we think of this. I brought a, fro- a photo with me tonight. Can we get that photo up there? A Frodo. Look at that. Now, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't grow up watching WWE. Any WWE fans? I didn't grow up watching this stuff, but I had a younger brother, so it was basically like the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know from watching what, it, what a submission feels like, but I know what it feels like because I have a, a younger brother, and we would wrestle all the time. So I know what it feels like to submit somebody to my will, and I know what it feels like to be submitted to somebody's will in wrestling. Now, we t- you can keep that picture up there. We tend to think of submission to authority in the same way that we view this kind of submission. Like you've got John Cena, and you've got this guy on top or under him. I don't know who that is, but he is fearing for his life right now. He thinks he's about to die. And for some of us, this is, this is our understanding of what submission to authority looks like. This is how our world views submission to authority. This, for some of you, this is how you view your relationship with like your parents, all right? Like you think your parents are John Cena trying to choke you out. Some of you think your teacher or your coach is John Cena trying to, trying to get you to pass out until you submit to their will, right? Maybe for you, maybe for you, this is how you view God. Like you, you look at God and you think that God is John Cena trying to choke your life out, trying to push your life down as hard as he can, remove things from you until you finally say, uncle, I give up, I surrender. But that's not, what, that's not what submission looks like. That's not what biblical submission looks like. This is the idea of submission by force. It's a fear-based submission. Now, when I give up in a wrestling match, when I say uncle, I'm not saying that because I trust this person with my well-being. I'm saying that because I'm actually afraid I'm gonna get hurt by this person. So I submit to them. Does this make sense? Yeah. Now, one of the reasons why the world and even the church has this bad view of submission is because we've, we've seen bad views and models of leadership. We've seen leadership abused. Instead of viewing leadership through the lens of Jesus and his perfect model of leadership, we, we sometimes view leadership only through the lens of fallen, human, broken, and sinful people. We see leaders in our life use their authority as a weapon. We see leaders in our life use their authority not to care for the people that they're stewarding, but actually to use their authority for personal gain. We, they use fear tactics. I remember one time my, my dad said this phrase, and it made me so mad. I love you, Dad, if you're listening. This is not to dishonor you in any way. But one time my dad and I were in a, a little tiff, and I was in high school, and he said this phrase. Maybe you've heard this before. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Have you ever, hopefully your parent has never said that to you. Oh, it made me, it made me so mad. Now, if you have ever had a parent say this to you, um, I'm not trying to dishonor them either, but the reality is, that's not true. You didn't bring me into this world. God gave me to you. I don't belong to you ultimately. Ultimately, I belong to God. Now, does that mean I don't submit to my dad when I'm in high school? Absolutely not. He's my father, right? He's my parent. But ultimately, we all belong not to human people. We belong to our father in heaven. Amen? I think some of us, 
we think that our leaders are just out to get us. We think that our leaders are about holding us, holding us back from our potential, holding opportunities back, pointing out all of our flaws. Like that's all we viewed in leadership is just a leader saying that we're bad or saying that we're broken or saying that we're flawed. Now I get it. We can't ignore the fact that there have been flawed leaders in our life. Maybe you've experienced the hurt from a flawed leader. We can't ignore that. But what I wanna talk about tonight is we can't let the poor examples of some leaders determine our need for leadership. I'm gonna say that again because y'all did not understand that. We cannot let the poor example of some leaders to determine our need for a leader. None of us can. Just because we've been treated bad by somebody in leadership doesn't mean we can say, I don't need a leader. In Ezekiel 34, God is actually addressing this with the people of Israel. He's addressing the fact that the children of Israel have just went through some terrible leadership. They've had some bad shepherds, some bad kings, some bad examples of leadership. And look at what God says. Ezekiel 34, it says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. I love the way this is phrased. Ah, shepherds of Israel. Womp, womp. Ah, that's kind of what, that's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like God is saying, ah, shepherds of Israel. Look at this. Who have been feeding yourselves. Oh no, Shouldn't, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled over them. Does anybody want to be under that kind of leadership? Definitely not. Look at what happens to the children of Israel because of that poor leadership. Verse five, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. Okay, so God is addressing the, the reality that they have had some bad kings, some bad shepherds who abused their leadership. They didn't care about God's people. And the result of their bad leadership was this, the, the children of Israel, scattered. Somebody say scattered. They scattered. They, they got alone. They were isolated. And because they were isolated, scripture says that they were, they were vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. Now, some of us in this room, we have experienced hurt from leaders. We've experienced maybe the abuse of power, hopefully not from a parent, maybe. Hopefully not from your pastor, maybe. Hopefully not from a coach, maybe. All of us, though, one day will experience the abuse of power from a leader. And, and what we might do when we see this abuse from power is we might do two things. We might decide to avoid all leadership because we think all leadership is bad, or we go to the other end of the spectrum and we move into trying to please all leadership. Okay, so follow, follow don't, 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 uh, don't disconnect with me for a second. We either, when we see bad leadership, we either say all leadership is bad and we avoid all leaders or we move into trying to please all of our leaders. And both of these are forms of hiding. Both of them. 
you'll either completely isolate yourself from all leaders and you'll think that no leadership is better than any leadership. But scripture tells us that that's not what helped Israel. When they had no leaders, they were actually worse off than before. Look at this, David Guzik says this, in both civil and spiritual realms, when the sheep have unfaithful shepherds, sometimes they think that the answer is no shepherds. They think that almost any kind of leadership among God's people is unnecessary and that the flock can lead itself. Ezekiel specifically spoke against this kind of thinking. When there is no shepherd, it was no better for the sheep. So the answer, listen to me, New Song students, the answer to bad leadership is not zero leadership. God's people are designed to be shepherded, to have a protector, to be under authority, to not be disunited. But when we don't have an enemy, or when we don't have a shepherd, we're scattered and we are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because we isolate ourselves from the flock. And this is how some of us, we daydream about our future of not having to be told what to do anymore. Some of us in this room, let's just be honest, we daydream about the day when I finally don't have to listen to my parents anymore. We daydream about the day when I finally am not gonna be in high school and I don't have teachers telling me what to do or coaches telling me what to do anymore. We think that the answer to our problem is no leadership, but this actually puts us in an isolated place where we are vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. Sometimes bad leadership can cause us, like I said, to avoid all leadership, which is a form of hiding. But there's another form of hiding where when we're hurt by leaders, now we're not avoiding them. We're just trying to please them. We're just trying to make our leaders happy. And in order to do that, guess what? We have to hide things in us that we think are gonna make them unhappy. In order to do this, we have to hide. And guess what? This is the same trap that we see Adam and Eve falling into in the garden. This is like week four, going back to the Adam and Eve in the garden. We're just gonna keep this ball rolling. Instead of, instead of Adam and Eve viewing God as their good shepherd who was called to help them even in their sin and protect them and shepherd them, what happens is they sin and their sin causes them to feel like they need to hide from the very leader who can help them. Are you, are you following me tonight? Now, their sin, did it please God? It's not a trick question. Did their sin please God? No. But you know what else didn't please God? Them hiding their sin. Now, I don't, we don't know what would have happened if they did this, but I think, I believe that if they had sinned and their first response was to go, we need to go talk to God about this. We need to go talk to our shepherd. God, I messed up. Can you help me? We don't know what would have happened, but I know that would have pleased the heart of God because that is a heart of repentance. New Song students, some of us in this room, we have a flinch when it comes to leadership. And if that's you, man, to be honest, I can relate. I grew up this way. I grew up with a very poor perspective of leadership in my life. And it's funny because it's not like I grew up with a poor perspective because I was abused by leaders or I had terrible parents. My parents were great. I had awesome leaders in my life. I had a poor perspective of leadership because I was afraid of leaders knowing who I really was. I was afraid of leaders seeing who I really was. And so in order to please the leadership in my life, I chose to hide myself. I was always surrounded by great leaders. I had great parents, 
But I did not go to my leaders when I needed help, and I was hiding. And you know what happened? Because I was hiding for my, my childhood years, my teenage years, I was isolated, and I was vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. Now, maybe you can relate to this. What I want to show you guys tonight, what I want to teach you is that living under authority is the best place to live. And when I started learning this lesson as a senior, it took me until my senior year to learn this. When I started learning this lesson, this lesson changed the course of my life forever. I'm telling you, I would not be on this platform today had I not learned this lesson of submitting to my authority. When I was a high schooler in youth group, I had a conversation with one of my small group leaders after service that changed the course of my life. Um, now, if you've been a part of New Song for a while now, you've probably heard this story, but it's my senior year. And at this point in my life, I've been in church every single Wednesday, every single weekend. On the outside, I look like a very submitted student. I'm doing all the right things. I'm obeying my, my parents and I'm obeying my leaders. I'm submitted, but on the inside, I'm hiding. I'm living a double life. In fact, my senior year, I was dating this girl and this relationship got really, really unhealthy to the point that we were pushing boundaries. And my senior year, I found myself in a place where I was seriously afraid that I was going to be a dad. I thought I was going to be a father my senior year of high school. I had this wake-up call. And I'm in, I'm in youth group one night. And the Lord is just convicting me. And he's like revealing to me in the sweetest way. He's like, Jackson... It's time to tell somebody. It's time to submit this to one of your leaders and to open up. And so I'm freaking out the entire service. I'm so nervous. But at the, after service, um, when they're releasing everybody to small groups, I went up to one of my leaders who I trusted. His name was Big Jake. And I said, Jake, hey, can I talk to you? Can we just not go to small group tonight? And he was like, yeah, dude, what's up? So we, we start talking and I just, I told him everything. I tell him everything that had been going on with me and this girlfriend of mine. I told him everything that I had been struggling with, all of the darkness in me, I brought to the light. And it felt amazing. It felt amazing. Y'all need to know that confessing your sin is one of the most beautiful things you can possibly do. So I confessed all of my sin to this leader. And to my surprise, man, he didn't see me any differently. And y'all need to know this is how your leaders want to be with you. We will not see you any different if you tell us something you're going through. So I tell my leader this, and he's like, Jackson, dude, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I don't see you any different. And he prayed over me. But this is where things got difficult. Right before our conversation closed, I was like, oh, man, praise God. I feel so much better. This is great. And Big Jake looks at me, and he's like, all right, Jackson, you're, you're not going to like what I'm going to say to you. But he was like, I'm thankful you, you told me because I'm one of your leaders, but your mom and your dad are your leaders. And he was like, Jackson, you have to go home and you have to tell your parents everything. And I was like, dude, no, no. I told you because I didn't want to tell them. I thought that would be okay. And he was like, Jackson, I know it's going to be so hard. It's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done, but you need to go home and he's like, I know your parents. I know they're going to be disappointed, but you need to tell them everything. So I did. I submitted to my leadership. I submitted to my small group leader. I went home. I told my parents everything. And you know what? Ooh, it was an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> but you know what? 
That conversation, I kid you not, two months later, I gave my life to the Lord. It was, I believe it was because of that conversation that I had with my parents. So wherever you find yourself tonight, New Song students, I want to help us see the beauty of living under authority. Does this make sense? If you're taking notes, write this down. What is submission? Let's talk about this. What is submission? Like I said earlier, I think we have a bad picture of submission. We think that when we are submitting, we're losing. We think that when we're submitting to our leaders, it means that we're less than and that they are better than us or they're more powerful than us or they're greater than us. We think that being submitted means that you're being overtaken by somebody who is more strong than you. Now, this, this may be what submission means in wrestling, but this is not what submission means biblically. Sometimes we hear this uh, phrase. It comes from Ephesians chapter five, and it talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And sometimes I know the world knows that passage. They hear that passage, and the world cringes at that. They're like, what? Wives submit to your husbands? Maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you feel that way right now. You're like, that sounds really weird. And you know why we think it's weird? It's because we think that the Bible is saying that the husband is the king of the house and the wife just has to make him lunch and do his laundry and treat him like royalty, right? Now, I know you guys are like, I'm not married yet, but you need to know this. You need, somebody needs to teach you this now. That is not what biblical submission looks like. That is farther from the truth. Listen to me, not only is that a bad view of submission, that's a bad view of leadership. Because leadership through the eyes of Jesus is about getting low and it is about serving others. Not about using your authority to lord over other people. So let's address the fact that yes, the Bible does 100% say that wives need to submit to their husbands. But you know what it says husbands have to do? They have to love their wives like Jesus loves his bride. You know what Jesus did for his bride? Died for his bride. He gave up everything for his bride. So if you see a husband saying, you need to submit to me, they have got submission and leadership all wrong. Because for a husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church, that means he gives up everything for her to be exalted. Are you following me tonight? This is what it looks like. Y'all need to know that Jesus isn't up in heaven right now sitting in a lazy boy chair with a Dr. Pepper <laughs> watching football while his bride does all the work. Can I say that again? Listen to me. Jesus is, like, he is king. Jesus is king. He is royalty. But he's not just up in heaven sitting back while the church does all the work. Jesus gave everything for us when he went to the cross, but you know what? He still continues to serve us. Jesus still continues to get low and low and low to serve us. He continues to serve us by healing us. He continues to serve us by being with us. He speaks to us. He didn't have to speak to us, but he does. He fights our battles for us. The list goes on. So what is biblical submission? It really just means this. It means to come under. If you just break those two words apart, you get sub, which means under, submarine, and mission. 
Submission just means this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Submission means to come under the mission of another. So submitting to another person or submitting to God doesn't mean that you're less than, doesn't mean that you're less of a person. It just means you're choosing to come under the mission. Some people don't want to submit because they think that they're going to lose a benefit when, when they submit. They think they're going to lose something when they submit. But when you are not submitted to authority, and I'm talking about both God himself and then people who God has placed over you, sure, you might have the benefit of getting to make your own decisions all the time, but you lose so many more benefits. When you aren't submitted, we already talked about this. Here's a benefit that you get when you're not submitted. You get isolation. That's cool. Anybody want to be isolated? <laughs> not me. When we're not being led, when we're not submitted, we're not protected. We're not being led in the right direction. We're not being loved by people who are called to love and care for us. We're not on a mission. We're just wandering around. Are you following me? But when you choose to submit to authority, both God and people, yeah, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to lose some pride in your life, but you gain so much more. You gain so much more. When you're submitted to God, you aren't just loved by him. Listen to me. You are actually living under his loving care. Y'all know that God loves everybody, right? You ever heard somebody say that on the street before? God loves you. That's absolutely true. God loves everybody right now, but not everybody is submitted. So not everybody is living under his loving care right now. Does that make sense? When you submit to God and when you submit to leaders, you are living under their loving care. When you're submitted, you're protected. You have a mission. You're being led in the right direction. Does this sound good to anybody? And submission, I also want to clarify, submission is not just about, like, obedience. It is about obedience. But submission is not just us saying, like, God, where do you want me to go? Oh, over here, okay. I did it. I'm submitted. Oh, you want me to come over here? Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm submitted. That's not what submission is. It is obedience, but it's so much more than that. If we only see submission as just obedience, we miss, on a, we miss out on a whole other side of submission that is actually amazing. Let's go back to our teaching text for a second. 1 Peter 5, it says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may, what? Exalt you. That's a benefit. You humble yourself, you submit yourself to God, guess what, he wants to exalt you, but look at this, verse seven, this is so good. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. In order to submit, listen to me, we're gonna have to give up our own agendas. We're gonna have to obey. Submission absolutely does look like obedience, but according to God, it's not just obedience. Submission is also telling God what is on your heart. Are you listening to me? It's not just doing what he says. Submission is casting your cares on the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. So do you treat God like this? Or do you just treat God like he's some harsh leader that just wants you to obey? Or do you treat him like he's a God who loves your soul and wants you to cast all your cares on him? Students, do you treat your parents like this? Man, to be honest, I, I know that sometimes our parents can be difficult, but I wish, 
I wish I could go back in time and tell my parents what I was going through. I was submitted to them sometimes, sometimes, because I obeyed, but I was not submitted to them because I did not tell my parents anything that was going on in my heart. And I know that sometimes our parents can be difficult, but can I tell you, your parents really do. They love you. They are on your side. And I know, I know my parents would have had so much grace for me looking back if I had told them what was going on in my heart. I just wanna encourage you guys. We need to start walking in submission like this, where we're not just walking around like soldiers in obedience, but we are also casting our cares on our leaders. We're telling our small group leaders when we have a hard week. We're telling our parents when we need help. We're telling the Lord when we need his help. Amen. First Peter 2.25. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd. God wants to lead you. But look at this. And the overseer of your souls. Man, God loves you. He loves your heart. But I love this quote. It's not, it's not on the screen, but it's from my, one of my favorite pastors, John Tyson. He says, God can't transform the person you're pretending to be. So like, if you're not giving God what you're struggling with, he loves you, but he can't help you with that. You have to give it to him. You have to cast it all on him. I wanna invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. Are you guys able to go just a little bit longer? Okay, so now we know what submission is. What does it mean? It means to come under the mission. It means to come under mission. Who do we submit to? Who are we supposed to submit to? Well, I think the obvious answer to this question is we submit to God. We submit to God and we submit to his word. We first and foremost and ultimately submit to him. I think a good picture of this is the famous Bible story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, we don't have, to, we don't have time to go into the text and to actually read this story, but all you need to know is that these three guys, they find themselves in a foreign and a sinful nation. And these guys, these are young teenagers trying to do their best to honor the authority over them. They're trying to honor King Nebuchadnezzar because God put him there. He's their authority. But the last straw breaks. The last straw breaks when King Nebuchadnezzar demands that everybody in the nation bow down and worship him. Is this ringing a bell for anybody? the big golden statue, they, they know in this moment they have a decision to make. I am under this earthly authority, but ultimately I am, I am submitted to somebody, a king who is way more powerful than King Nebuchadnezzar. And so what do they choose to do? They ultimately choose to submit to God instead of King Nebuchadnezzar. They don't bow down. Now, while we probably won't face the same scenario that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced, we definitely will walk through life and should walk through life with that same understanding that there are earthly forms of authority in our life, like our parents and the government and police officers and our coaches and our teachers, all of these people that God has put over you, guess what? As a Christian, you're supposed to submit to them. But ultimately, we submit to something higher, something greater. We're not of this word. We submit to King Jesus. But does this mean that when a leader in your life tells you to do something, you say, oh, sorry, I'm submitted to God. <laughs> you gotta talk to the boss. Do we, can we do that? I wish, that'd be awesome. But no, we can't do that. 
Let's go back to our teaching text. Look at this. 1 Peter 5. Likewise, you younger people. Somebody say, he's talking about me. You younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, who is our elder? What's, what's Peter talking about when he says elder? David Guzik says the word elder simply means or speaks of maturity and wisdom that an older person should have, making them qualified for leadership. Uh, in its application, it is more about wisdom immaturity than a specific age. So Peter, he points out, he addresses you guys first. He says, younger people, it's generally a good rule of thumb for you to submit to people who are older than you, anybody. Peter says, hey, this is the starting place for us as young people. We should submit to those who are older than us and more mature than us. Now you need to understand that older doesn't equal more mature because there's some old people who are not mature. But generally, older does mean more mature, especially when you walk with Christ. And so as believers, we are to lean on that. The people who have gone before us, who have walked more life than us, who have walked with Christ longer than us. We, might, we may not like what they are telling us, but Peter says that we should lean on them and we should trust them. But look at this. Peter takes it a step further. He doesn't just say, you young people submit. Look, he says, yes, all of you should submit. Somebody say all. All of you su should submit. Clark says this, I love this. Strive all to serve each other. This is so good, New Song students. Let the pastors strive to serve the people and the people, the pastors. And let there be no contention, but who shall do most to oblige and profit all the rest? What is that saying? That is saying that we never grow out of needing leadership in our life. Like me as your leader, I'm your leader in this context, but y'all best know that I am submitted to leadership. And if I'm not, I am putting myself in danger. And that's why we see so many, so many leaders fall because they think they've grown out of the need for leaders. You never grow out of the, lead, the need for leaders. Do you hear me? You never, I don't care, when you graduate, leave your parents' house, you still need leaders. You still need elders. You still need people overseeing you. So students, how are you doing with that? Are you submitted to God? Be honest. Are you submitted to your parents? Be honest. Are you submitted to your teachers? Do you honor them? Be honest. Let's be honest tonight. Or are you attempting to avoid leadership? Are you avoiding submission? I wanna close with this. Why do we submit? Why do we submit? We've already talked about some of the benefits. We should submit because there's benefits. When, when we submit, we live in unity, which is good and pleasing, which is awesome. We live in unity, which God can anoint and pour his spirit out onto. We live in unity and God says, I'm commanding a blessing to this group of people. How many of those are benefits you wanna experience? I do, but we shouldn't just be submitted to authority because of the benefits. Ultimately, we submit to authority because God submitted himself. I know this sounds crazy, but you need to understand that God submitted himself. Philippians 2. I'm gonna close by just reading some, some scriptures. Is this okay, New Song students? Philippians 2, 
you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Somebody say the same. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. What was his attitude? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Pause. Does it say that Jesus gave up his divinity? Does it say that Jesus became less God? Absolutely not. And that's what we need to see about submission. Submission doesn't mean I'm becoming less than, it means I'm coming under the mission. It says Jesus gave up his divine privileges, but he was still fully God. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He submitted and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. Why should you submit? Because Jesus submitted. He didn't just submit to God. He submitted to people. Look at this, Luke chapter two. This is that funny story where Jesus, um, he, he leaves his parents when he's 12 years old and he's found in the temple and his parents are freaking out because they lost Jesus. Can you imagine if you lost the Messiah? You're like, man, I had one job and I lost him. And look at this. They find him and it says, Jesus says this. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. You know, if Jesus, if anybody didn't have to submit to his parents, it was Jesus. But what did Jesus do? He submitted. He submitted to people. The Son of God submitted to people. And actually, what's so cool about the Trinity is we see they're all co-equals, right? No part of the Trinity, no person of the Trinity is greater than the other. They're all co-equals all exalting one another, all submitting to one another. You look at Jesus and you know what he says? Jesus says, hey, look at my father. You look at the father, what does the father say? Hey, look at Jesus. What does the spirit say? Look at them, look at them, look at the way they love you. Psalm 138, look at this. This is the last reason why we should be totally okay with submitting our life to authority. Psalm 138. I will worship, your, worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Look at this. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God submits himself under the very words that he says. That's powerful. And so we as people, New Song students, if we will learn this, if we will get this, if we will live under this truth and live under the mission of God, under the mission of our church, under the mission of New Song students, under the mission of your parents, if we will live under the mission of our leaders, we will see God bless us because of the unity we walk in in ways we can't even imagine or describe. Does anybody want that? I want that. So let's walk in that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?